Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for 31st of August. I am your host, Mohsen, and I am joined by the rogue one, Gary Witter. All right, mate, how are you? I'm doing great, mate. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Are we, are we deliberately leaning into really bad <laughs> we're leaning, we're leaning like right into, away? We're leaning into All right, mate, how's it going? Well, mate, how's it going? Shine your shoes. Yeah, all right, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about some video games. And a pub, shall we go? Uh, this is, of course, my first time hosting, and my intent is to just get as off track as possible really mix it up so that way at least people remember so first things first gary um yes we're both british we uh, are what, where what, are you what, from so i was just gonna yeah. ask you exactly that so let's get this going so i was born okay. in pakistan. i was born in pakistan um, but then i moved to england and i'm from east london so i've always lived in leytonstone um, oh well, you, oh bloody hell you and i have a lot in common when when did you move to england oh man how old I, were you i was about two or three it must okay. have been like real real young always so been... you don't even remember pakistan i'm sure right you, i do remember it. I, I remember it i remember it oh you do well. yeah because oh wow like, there's something about because i went back a few times but then there's something about like i think it i've always thought about this like i have very little memories of my early life here in england but I have like vivid memories of my life in Pakistan. And I think it is because like the shock of the move, like just cemented those memories in my mind. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Then, yeah. And then like, it's been, so I have some memories of it. And I remember like, cause also like where we lived in Pakistan when I was growing up was we were like basically bottom of the rung, bottom of the barrel of society. So like, we had a bad toilet situation. We had a bad electricity situation. <laughs> we had a bad food situation. It's much better now, but it was like some of the things that people are used to these days. Like I've 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 had to take many a dump in in a just a field because that's all we've had. <laughs> like that was life for us. Um, but like that kind of stuff sticks with you because then when you you get to appreciate when you the good things that you have when you go on so i think it's like well it's amazing to me that you mentioned leytonstone because i grew up not far from there i was born in i'm i'm a proper cockney i'm also from east london i was born in bethnal green oh Um, hell yeah (laughs) but my like you wouldn't know i'm a proper cockney because living you know i've lived now in america for longer than i lived in the uk and so my accents you know kind of been very diluted by the american experience you know accents are product to your environment if you live somewhere for long enough it's going to affect the way that you that you talk and your phrasing and everything. But I was born in Bethnal Green. Um, and then I lived uh, in Hackney brief- briefly. And then uh, I moved out. My parents moved out to a place called Chingford. I lived around Chingford and Walthamstow mm-hmm. uh, for many years. And, uh, and Leightonstone, as you know, is very much in that, in right, that neighborhood, yeah. in that area. So, yeah, you and I actually are actually from the same part of London. Same neck of the woods. So, yeah. I, I, that. I, who knew we had this much in common? Who, who knew? Yeah. Like Bethnal Green, a couple of stops on the central line for me. Um, like past it all the time. Queen Mary University is there. And um, I used to go there on the regular to meet one of my mates who, a few of my mates who used to go to Queen Mary there. And also one of the best like curry uh, restaurants uh, around in London is there. It's called Tayeb's. Um, it's nearby around that area um and it's it's incredible i used to also work i worked in a primark in chingford for a real long time oh bloody uh, hell yeah it was is the chingford one and i also worked in a romford one and uh that was like it's so funny I, I knew you were british as well but i never would have imagined that we were from the same, same like corner. such a just such a small radius that's much closer than i would it's have imagined me you jonathan ross and alfred hitchcock those are locals <laughs> and david beckham David Beckham, yeah, he went to Leytonstone, um, Leytonstone School. So yeah, he uh, grew up. He grew up just down the street from me. Oh wow, that's wild. And you know, so, we both and we and we both ended up doing roughly about as well for, for ourselves. Exactly, so, you know, exactly the same. It's a, con- it's a constant, um, 
uh, battle between me and Beckham. Like every now and again, he'll, he'll, he'll yeah, over the years he's tweeted me, yeah, oh, yeah, I just yeah. married a Spice Girl, just scored a goal at the World Cup. And I'm like, yeah, well, fuck you. I'm on kind of funny games daily. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a constant battle for the, supremacy the classic, me and Beckham. It's the classic Witter Beckham rivalry. It's, it's been yeah, going on for it years. Oh, yeah. On and on, on, and on, on it goes. I still, I st- I'm still confident I'm going to come out on top. I, I think so. And when I think when the when the inevitable movie is made about it, it will end with you like standing on on like a on, on like a throne almost and Beckham. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, if you think about it like in the game of life, it's only like half time. He's, he's, he's probably four or five <laughs> nil ahead at five uh, at half time. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of time for me to come back in the second half. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I'm going to end up winning on penalties uh, I... at the last minute. The the uh you had Beckham living down the road. Mine was Jonathan Ross. So like Jonathan Ross yeah. is uh, so people who don't know Jonathan Ross, he's like a chat show host. He used mm-hmm. to uh, he used to host the was it film? It was called it was just called film the TV show, right? It was film whatever the year was. So like yeah, film yeah. eighty five, film eighty six. Used to be hosted by a guy called uh, Barry Norman. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Barry Norman. I don't. And no. then and then when Barry Norman uh got too old to keep doing it, Jonathan Ross uh, came in and took over. That's right. Yeah. So he used to go to so Beckham went to Leighton Stone School, um, and I went to Norlington School for Boys. Um, which was uh, where uh, he went, Jonathan Ross, and his mom used to live uh, like across the road from me. And my one uh, run-in with Jonathan Ross um, was when I used to work at Game in the Stratford, uh, not Stratford, in the uh, White City, Westfield, which is a fairly new thing. But he came in and he was looking for a game. He was with his kid and he was about to buy some absolute dog shit games, like just because his, his, his kid had been picked them up. And it was the same time that Batman Arkham uh, Asylum had come out. And I was, okay. like, I was like, Jonathan Ross, um, let me recommend you a game. You don't want to buy yeah. any of this stuff. You need to buy Batman Arkham Asylum. Because knowing that he's a massive comic book fan, he's like a, a Doctor Strange fan, yep. and he knows all that stuff. And he looked at me as if like, this nerd's trying to upsell me on a fucking brand new video game. <laughs> and I was like, no, trust me. Trust me. I know you like comic books. This is what you want. And he was not having it. And he was like, listen, uh, I went to the same school as you, and that's what sold him. He was like, "Oh, oh yeah, nice. I, I like this guy now. I like this guy." So I was like, "Okay." I yeah. um I had my own run in. So I met Jonathan Russ once or twice because yeah, you know, he is a genuinely a big video game fan. Really, yeah. like seriously yeah. into it. He's not one of these posers like, "Oh yeah, video games," but then can't tell you the name of any video games. He's um he's really into it. And I was editing you know video game magazines back in the UK around the time that you know he I mean still on television but you know he was on mm. television back then as well. I had a couple of run-ins with him over the years and like, like kind of had like a passing like you know first name thing with him. Uh, 1993 Jurassic Park uh, press uh, premiere like the press preview screening in Leicester Square. Uh, I had a, I got a ticket. We went. Uh, a couple of me and a couple of other journalists from whatever magazine I was on at the time. And we got there a little bit late and it was a really, really, really long line. I was like, oh, fuck, like we're going to get like really bad seats all the way at the back for this. Um, but I saw Jonathan Ross was in the line and he was like right near the front because he's Jonathan Ross. I thought, let me try something here. I was like, this is either going to go down very badly or not because he might not remember me. But I walked over and went, John, how are you? And it's like, and then he looked at me for a second. I'm like, he doesn't remember me. He went, Gary. I was like, yes, how's it going? It's like, oh, we've got to go all the way back to the line. He went, oh, never mind about that. He had cut in here with us. And he got us into the front of the line. So That's I still amazing. owe Jonathan Ross for that. Yo, well played. What, what magazines did you edit? Just out of interest. So I started on a magazine uh, back in 1988. I started on Commodore User, uh, reviewing right, right. Commodore 64 and Commodore Amiga games. It was right at the time that... 8-bit was kind of giving way to 16-bit. The Commodore yeah, 64 yeah. was kind of near the end of its life and the Commodore Amiga had just come in. So it was right at that time. Right. So I did that for a couple of years and I uh, worked on the launch of a magazine called The One for 16-bit Games, which was I remember uh, that. Part, part Amiga, part Atari ST and part PC. And over, over time, as the Atari ST kind of fell away and the Amiga kind of won that battle, it became just the one for Amiga games. Uh, CVG, Computer Video Games, worked on that for some years. Right. Ace, Com- Advanced Computer Entertainment, worked on that. Um, and then I went off and uh, launched PC Gamer here in the UK. And mm-hmm. then when they did the US version, that's what brought me over here. So uh, I my first job in video games was for CVG. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, so I joined Future Publishing straight out of... Uh, so I went to uni, uh, got a degree in law. And then uh, there was some mad nonsense with my uni. Someone basically cheated on their exam, on their law exam. And uh, they cheated by writing my name on their paper and then just absolutely biffing it. And then 
the hell? uni the uni got very confused by this very easily solvable mystery um and they withheld my degree for like a year and in that time i went and worked at game um and then the thing that got me out of game was getting hired at cvg so i worked on cvg at future um and and like that was around the time so the print mag was basically when would, when would that have been oh uh, that was like 2000 era 2004 five like it was well after your time uh, yeah so yeah I, yeah. i was the, at future like 93 to 96 yeah, the mag was long gone by then it was like the online part of it um and it was oh, like yeah. they were trying to rebuild it and then we basically rebuilt it um and made it a pretty big deal in the uk and then i also worked on like i helped out with uh, pc gamer i did loads of reviews for them um, and and if you had like official Xbox Games Master uh, O and M uh, official Nintendo magazine, so I did. Oh, yeah, I remember all of these. Yeah, I did all. The, I did all the uh, the uh, future magazines <laughs> before like bouncing out. Then I left and worked in a, around the GamerGate time um, when that was kicking Bloody off. Hell. I was like, I was yeah. like, I was like, I I am I am, I need to step away from this. Uh, not because like I I hadn't I didn't want to engage it. I engaged the issue, but then I also realized. There was a point where it wasn't about the issue anymore. It was just about, you know, this kind of cycle of hatred that people were kind right. of focused on. And I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna go and remind myself that I have the capability to do a normal job because this video game stuff could pack it in at any time. And it mm -hmm. seems like it is right now. So I went and worked on the underground for a year. Um, and did what did like, you do on the underground? So I was a, I was a CSA. So I worked at like gate, gate staff and then also platform staff, you know, the... Uh, Next train approaching the platform oh, is you must East you must have some line. stories from working on the underground. Mate, I have seen some shit. I have seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I worked there like we did I did shift work for like that year and it was like three AM starts. I worked on Victoria Line Victoria Line South. So it was like um Victoria era uh, Pimlico, Brixton, that kind of place. That's what I used to ride to work every day. Uh yeah. uh the Victoria Line, Walthamstow Central to uh King's Cross. Yeah, and then I and then I would change and do one stop on the uh, district or circle line to Farringdon because that's where uh, computer video games used to be, right off Farringdon Lane. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we by the time I got there, we were in Baker Street, so uh, home of Sherlock Holmes, Marlebone Baker Street. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But my, I'll give you my before we actually get into the show proper. I'll give you my one favorite memory from working on the underground. Um, Go I was on. standing. I was standing uh, on the other side of the gate, so uh, where the the kind of like. Uh, the little boxes where people hang out um when they're working there and someone rode their bike down to the station i think this was uh pimlico i believe rode their bike okay. down to the station came up to the gate and um tapped their oyster on the gate and it didn't open and i was like i looked at the uh at the actual uh heads up display it's got a number on it and you memorize what that means and it was like, oh, you're, you, you don't have any money on it. And this person right. was absolutely furious at the fact that they couldn't get through. And they tapped it again. I was like, you don't have any money on it. You just need to top up and you're good. And he was like, no, I definitely have money on it. I was like, mate, it says on there, you don't have any money. He got so angry that he threw his bike at me. Like over the turnstile, he threw his bike at me. Obviously, this man like lifting the bike took him a few seconds. So I saw it coming. So I just like stepped back into the uh, little booth and closed it. And it just landed on the floor. And I came out and I was like, now you don't have your bike and you can't get through. And this yeah. guy just turned around and left and left his bike on the floor. And I was like, cool, free bike. Well, Tam, I never knew that you and I had so much in common from, from very much the same part of the world. And um, although slightly different eras, transited through a lot of the same magazines yeah. and companies and stuff like that. I had no idea. Yeah, mate. They were living parallel lives. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. And here we are now. Look at this. The, li the parallel lines have intertwined and we're hosting... Uh, Kind, kind of, of funny, funny games, games daily, daily together. We are indeed, and today's stories they will include. We've got three major ones, but then we've got a couple of less. Kind of, it's a slow news day, all right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's uh, what, that's we said before the show. Let's just like we'll just muck about a bit because there's not about. Too much going yeah, on yeah. in the news. We'll, we'll I said when Jared and I used to host the show, and there was not much news going on, we would just fuck about, and those yeah, was a lot was of people's good. favorite shows. Certainly among good. my favorites. We've got a couple that are decent, though. We've got, the, we've got a new look at a couple of DC games that are on the way. We've got Naughty Dog talking about their future in a not entirely unsurprising way. And then Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zero has been taken offline. And then we've got a couple in between. And of course, you are watching Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv forward slash Kind of Funny Games. 
we recap the news. And if you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong, which I imagine will happen frequently by going to kindoffunny.com forward slash you're wrong. Um, if you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com forward slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or listen later on the podcast services that you subscribe to by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. If you want to be part of the show, which is a rare, rare treat, um, you can head to patreon.com forward slash kindoffunnygames, where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members um, or above get the show ad-free, along with the exclusive daily post-show. Housekeeping, so tomorrow, Wednesday, September 1st, kind of funny, and many people across Twitch, including myself, are taking part in a day off Twitch. This is to protest the lack of action from Twitch to prevent hate raids towards marginalized creators on the platform. It's been happening with an alarming frequency, and each and every uh, instance of it is absolutely unacceptable. So we're getting together to show why it matters by stepping away from Twitch, um, by not streaming or not watching. However, if you are inclined to watch and you are inclined to stream, that's your business. Um, don't hate on people who are. Just make sure you share the the kind of uh, the the campaign and do your part that way. Um, this Thursday, Surgeon Simulator 2 is finally here, and Snow Bike Mike, aka Snow Bicycle Mike, um, is going to play it on launch day. The catch, written here with a question mark, is Kevin is going to use an IRL robotic arm to mess with Mike while Tim and Joey hang out. This sounds like a mess, and I can't wait. That's Thursday at 11 p.m. on twitch.tv forward slash kind of funny games, and then the VOD will go up on youtube.com forward slash kind of funny plays. This Thursday, you're also getting a new episode of The Blessing Show. Um, that's going to go live at 7 a.m. PT with a YouTube premiere on youtube.com forward slash kind of funny games. And if you're watching this live after this, Mike and Barrett are going to finish their first ever playthrough of Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty right here on twitch.tv forward slash kind of funny games. And then, of course, up later on youtube.com forward slash kind of funny plays. Quick thank you to our Patreon producer, Black Jack. Shout out to you, Blackjack. And today we're brought to you by Purple Mattress, but you'll get to hear a little more about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and will forever be the Roper Report. Time for some bloody news. We've got five flipping stories today. You're blimey! How many First, cliches can we fit uh, in? How many can I cram in there? <laughs> First story comes uh, from Eddie McCooch at GameSpot.com. You might find a few GameSpot stories in here. Why? Because I'm biased. I'm the managing over at GameSpot. I'm running this shit. I'm going to pimp my wares. Uh, Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and Fortnite Batman crossover news are coming to DC Fandom. October's DC Fandom event will feature the video games Gotham Knight and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, along with the next Batman crossover in Fortnite. It remains to be seen how much of Gotham Knights or Kill the Justice League we'll see, but fans will be eager for anything that Warner Bros. elects to show off or discuss. We are. Uh, the Warner Bros. Games account posted a teaser for Gotham Knights, always watching, always listening, the tweet says. And it shows a mysterious person wearing a mask and a suit. So, Gotham Knights was expected to launch in 2021, but got pushed. 2020, uh, Kill the Justice League Rock is Rocksteady's game, uh, was announced at DC Fandom in 2020, and we've seen little to nothing of it. So, I want to go back to this uh, to this uh, actual uh, teaser image. Uh, we've got Gary here, who knows comics and knows. Yeah, I, think I saw this uh, earlier today. Mm -hmm. And we got uh, Barrett here, who knows his Batman inside out, and I'm also a Batman fan. Any guesses to who this is? Is it a relevant character? We see the Court of Owls mask on it. What are we thinking about this? Barrett? It's hard to say. Um, just because, you know, they look like like bald, generic thug almost from the mm. back, right? Uh, wearing, of course, the Court of Owls mask that we have seen in the, the teasers of Gotham Knights. Uh, if you don't know, Court of Owls originated in the Batman New 52 uh, mm. run with uh, Scott Snyder at the helm. Um, who has, I think, helped with some of the aspects of this game. Uh, since mm. they wanted to bring in the Court of Owls, they wanted to kind of work with the, the creator of them to kind of help put them into this universe that WB Montreal is uh, creating. Um, I could see this being just like a, a generic thug. I've always talked about, even before Gotham Knights was revealed, of if they ever do the Court of Owls, I think 
it would be a fascinating way to do the um, uh, kind of similar to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where you have the cult of Cosmos and you have to like go find clues throughout the world to like uncover each member and like go uh, kill them. And I think mm. that would be like a really cool system to have for the Court of Owls. Of of course, you're, you wouldn't be killing uh, anybody as. Uh, um, the legacy of Batman playing as, like, Batgirl and, and Robin and all that stuff. But, like, going around finding clues to uncover each identity of, like, like each, like, lieutenant or whatever you want to call them for the Court of Owls and, like, uh, finding and capturing them. So that this could be, like, one of those people. Um, but that's just, like, that's very much something that I would want. I don't know if they'll actually do, like, a system like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just more of, like, a fun mm. tease of, like, yeah, the Court of Owls, they can be anybody. And here's this uh, generic man to showcase that even more. Mm. Yeah. Gary, how are you feeling about Batman, uh, Gotham Knights, uh, and also the Suicide Squad game? Yeah, I feel good about it. I just, especially the Rocksteady one, you know, because we all know how good they are, right, when they're mm. let loose in the DC universe. And Suicide Squad is cool again, right, because the James Gunn movie is, has, you know, done great things for them. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of appetite for Suicide Squad right now. Rocksteady is a terrific, uh, terrific developer. You know, we, there was a lot of speculation. We all wanted to, to believe that they were going to do a Superman game, right? That was, that felt mm. like the next logical step for Rocksteady after doing several, uh, Batman games, but this could be just as good. Um, I think it could be a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about Gotham Knights. Uh, I've, I've been kind of in a DC mood lately, reading a lot of DC comics and, um just enjoying that in that universe a lot i kind of feel like after the rough start they had with the movies they're starting to kind of find their feet a little bit now with the movies and just generally i feel like the dc universe is kind of is ticking upwards does that make sense and these these games are kind of a part of that so i'm excited for the fandom stuff i've been i've been this is my favorite run but i i've been dipping into and out of like reading the grant morrison run of batman recently have you read that um start to finish no you should try and do it. It is a it is a bit of a an elaborate ask because Morrison he wrote for DC uh, for a really long time, but he's like most writers, like return writers. He dipped in and out through eras, so he'd write for mm-hmm. like a, an arc and then go away and then come back a couple of years later. But every time he's gone away and come back, he's always connected his last arc to his current arc, and over the course of oh, like interesting. multiple years, has created this extremely long kind of ridiculous arc of uh for batman and it kind of he's also looked into weaving into their events so he works in the fact that at one time bruce wayne is missing and uh dick grayson becomes batman and damian wayne becomes and he like works off that as well and it's a really fascinating fascinating arc that goes like really ridiculous places but the only tricky thing is because of the way he wrote it and his involvement in it it's like sometimes you'll have to find one obscure issue in from the like 1990s that has a really big impact. Uh, but thankfully, due to comicsology and other kind of like um, uh, digital services, it's a little more feasible to do it. I'd highly recommend reading that um, arc because it is absurd and ridiculous and it involves some of the most. At one point, like he is, I think uh, he led into the Batman Incorporated thing where Batman franchises Batman. Oh, I do remember that. Him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was kind of like the, the maestro behind that. But my, my, one of the questions I want to ask was, what was it like back when you were here for comic book stores? Because for as long as I've remembered, like being a kid, I've always loved comic books. But like the comic book store situation here has been abysmal in my time. What was it like for you getting comic books here? Here in the like, you mean it's in the, since it, well, I came to when the you, US when you when you were in the UK? Like, was it? Oh, in my... the UK, I wasn't. I never grew up um, uh, reading like Marvel or DC comics. I know I didn't grow up reading Batman or, or Spider Man. I was aware yeah. of them. I watched, you know, the Batman TV show, you know, the Adam West TV show, and I watched, uh, you know, the classic Spider Man animated show. And I, I think I was more of a DC kid. Grow. I was never really that into the the X Men or um you know the the marvels now you know these days now i don't you know discriminate and i just like mm. you know wherever the good stories are i'm not like a i'm no i would not consider myself like a dc person or a marvel person i think they're all great and i enjoy you know all of this wherever the good stories come from who cares yeah. um but when i was a kid and i'm going to throw out a bunch of really stupid british names that people in, in the chat are going to insist that i've made yes. up let me guess you'll it... you'll know them so it... i'll, I'll tell right, you some on. of the ones that i grew up on and you can tell me how many of these you remember all right go the on. beano yeah, 
the dandy. Yep, 100%. <laughs> um, Wizard and Chips. Yes, I remember that one. You remember Wizard and Chips? I think I, I never um, read that one, but I remember it. Those are, those are the three that I grew up, you know, I grew up reading kind of Dennis the Menace and the Bass Street yeah, Kids and yeah. Billy Wiz and, and stuff like that. Desperate Dan and um, uh, Desperate General Dan. Jumbo. Uh, Roger the Dodger. Remember Roger the Dodger? Yes. Yes. Oh, brilliant. So th- that, that's, that's who I, that's who I, those, those are the comic books that I grew up with. Lord Snooty. I loved the Bass Street kids. They were always my favorite when oh. I was a kid. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I started taking an interest in, you know, what we think of as comic books now, you know, superhero type comic yeah. books. But I grew up on, you know, British comic books and, and most Americans won't understand because there's no, as I'm aware, there's no American equivalent of like comics like the Beano or, or dandy oh. or um or, or your wizarding chips and books like that but just like fun stories about kids you mm. know who, and, and 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 often you know they had, had like a special power or something that made them interesting like billy Wiz could run really fast general jumbo had like a little miniature army that he controlled with like a he had like a mad dad inventor granddad inventor who created this um this miniature army of little kind of you know army men that he could control with like a, a, a control yeah. panel on his wrist and it was generally you know, there was like, oh, this normal boy has you know incredible powers. The 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 um the one crossover I can remember, I can't remember which comic book it which British comic it came out of, but it became very popular and it was a more traditional superhero and it was very British. Do you remember Banana Man? Yes, I 100 percent remember Banana Man. <laughs> I was just I was just going to mention Banana Man, but he yeah, Banana Man was a real weird concept. Even now, I watch like videos of it on YouTube, and I'm like, this is bizarre even now. Like, yeah, he I, was a little he was a little kid, and when it was kind of like Shazam, right? Because it was a little kid who turned yeah. into a big buff superhero, and whenever he ate a banana, he turned into Banana Man. Potassium, you gotta love it. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's all that <laughs> potassium. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next story, I just want to mention Darth Poopsie in the chat said Grant Morrison uses singular they pronouns. My apologies uh, for that. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next story, Naughty Dog teases the future. Uh, single player experiences are near and dear to us. This comes from Eddie at GameSpot.com. We are all GameSpot here, pimping my wares again. Uh, Naughty Dog is currently making its first ever standalone multiplayer game. But what other projects might the studio make in the future? We don't know for sure yet, but Naughty Dog co-president Evan Wells said fans can look forward to the studio making new IP and also working in on established franchises. I think the easy answer is both. I think there's excitement to develop new IP, but there is still tons of love for Uncharted and The Last of Us. And I think you'll see both kinds of projects from us in the future. Well said in an interview with Game Informer. Uh, Naughty Dog is known for its big cinematic single-player story-focused games, and you can expect this to continue in the future. Single-player experiences are near and dear to us. It's what has attracted a lot of people to Naughty Dog, and it's what inspires them. So I think uh, we're going to keep it as long as we can. Well said. Naughty Dog's Neil Druckmann is also quoted as saying in the interview, um, studio owner Sony has never come to them with a mandate to make a certain type of game. There has never been a mandate like, oh, this is where we see the wind shifting. Can you start making these kinds of games instead? We know just uh, we know just as they know that when you work on something you're excited by, something you're passionate by, you're going to do great work, he said. So, is that any surprise to you? And do you kind of feel like what what is the what is the future of uh, what do you want the future of Naughty Dog to be? Because in my mind, the thing that I think about is they say that they don't want the business considerations to kind of uh, implement or impact the way they make games. But more and more, we see games like you know games as a service type experiences becoming the way to create a game, and also in terms of business sense, the most feasible way to get a return on investment. As someone who's got experience working behind the scenes, like. What's it like? Uh, what does the future of a narrative-driven single-player uh, game look to you? And do you think that kind of uh, approach to it is sustainable? First of all, I had a bit of a scare this morning when I looked at the show notes that you sent me because that quote when, um, was it Druckmann who said uh, single-player experiences are, are, are near and dear to us? Mm. Um, that was the headline of the piece. And because I was still waking up, I, when I first scanned it, I didn't read it right. And I read it as, Naughty Dog, single-player experiences are nearly dead to us. I'm like, oh, <laughs> God damn. And then I read it again. I was like, okay, phew, a crisis averted. Um, no, it's, listen, I, I don't think so. Even, even as, you know, games as a service and, uh, mm. you know, I'm having a ton of fun playing Aliens Fireteam Elite right now, which is a three-player game and playing a lot of multiplayer games. And they're, they're, they're definitely, you know, especially 
uh, after this this year or two years now, as it, as it's as we're getting closer of the pandemic, you know, we've seen this huge uptick in multiplayer gaming, right? Because people are using games as a medium to connect, whether it's Fortnite, whether it's Among Us, whether it's you know Call of Duty, PUBG, anything, right? They're all we're all connecting through these games, and so multiplayer gaming is get is becoming bigger uh, than ever, and arguably eating up you know a bigger and bigger share of the pie you know a single player experience a campaign like when you think about like the call of duty campaigns i mean they sometimes they don't even bother doing them anymore but you blast through the campaign in six hours you have a lot of fun doing it but then it's done right you never probably never go back and play it again and then the real you know experience of the game is the hours and hours and hours and hours and that you put in you know playing multiplayer over the course of the next year until the next one comes out um but there will i i don't, I don't think that the i don't think it's an either or proposition i think either even as multiplayer games become more popular there will always always be a place and there will always be an appetite for really good solid story driven single player experiences and that's good news for people like me who you know love story and always feel like i'm happy when there's some kind of narrative context for what i'm doing and strongly believes that games can be as fertile a medium for really great storytelling as books or television or film or comics or anything else. Mm. Um, and Naughty Dog and Insomniac and, you know, the great story, you know, uh, driven uh, uh, developers that are out there continue to prove that. So I think even as Naughty Dog now experiments with um, multiplayer gaming, I don't think they're, they're, they're saying, is this going to be the, our new direction is just going to replace and then they, they clearly are saying it they're not saying this is going to replace that i think they're trying to figure out if they can if they can also do good good work in the multiplayer space as well but i think you know with, for companies like insomniac naughty dollar my two favorite game experiences of the past 12 months one of my, one of which i got to got to late but i played ratchet and clank rift apart and miles morales back to back and just had the best time with both of those stories and was really reminded of just what a great time you can have with a really, really good narrative, immersive, single-player, cinematic, you know, story experience. So I don't think they're going anywhere. I think there's plenty of room for both. Yeah, yeah I, th I think you're right. The interesting thing for me is, like, it's weird how the kind of the situation or the, the balance has flipped where it used to be that, you know, most of the games were these kind of games, right? Like narrative-driven, single-player experiences. And the multiplayer games that were doing something strange or different were few and far in between and they stood out because of it. You know, you had a game like, uh, you know, a Counter-Strike or a, a Unreal Tournament Quake came along and it was like a big deal because it was a multiplayer thing and it was like, oh, this isn't just trying to tell a story. It's, it's just about playing with people. And now it's mm -hmm. the other way around where everything has got some sort of online component and you're drowning in mechanics that when a single player narrative driven game comes out and it's like putting that first and foremost front and center, it stands out more than anything. But it does, in terms of business sense, it might not be the most fruitful on paper, but it does make sense for Sony to really fixate and emphasize on them because there's few other studios doing them as well as they are. And they are kind of presenting something unique by virtue of literally everything else following a trend, right? Yeah, and then the other thing I like about single-player games is that is I feel like I can curate and control the experience more. Literally, just last night, me and a couple of friends were talking about jumping into Apex Legends, which I've never played, but a couple of friends want to play it. They were trying to get me to play it as well. I'm open to the idea of playing it. I like Battle Royales. I, I like Respawn. I think Apex Legends seems like a really good game. I'm just worried that coming into it late, I'm just going to get my ass kicked by more experienced mm -hmm. players. One of the things that I think that games still don't do brilliant, brilliantly well is matchmake players of the same level. I've, I've played a bunch of multiplayer games recently where I constantly seem to get matched against players who are, like you can see the number, like their rank is way higher than mine. Like why are you not matching me with other newbies who are just playing the game for like the first time this week? Like at least give me a chance. And so when you go into a multiplayer arena, you know, there are people in that arena who are going to eat you alive and there's very little I can do to mitigate yeah. or control that. At least in a single player game, I baby ass baby mode is right there. Easy mode, very easy mode. Um, I, I, I like that I can, I can adjust the experience, tailor it to a level where I feel like it's just challenging enough that I feel like I'm having fun with it. I'm being challenged, but I'm not frustrated. Right. I just, I, I feel like I can find, you know, I, I can fine tune a single player game to have a lot of fun with it. And until I feel like the, this is something I've been, my wife and I have both been belly aching about, about it recently. Um, that the mat, matchmaking needs to get better to find, to put players with other, basically put everyone in the same pool 
where they're you know they're all of a rough skill level but these days i feel like, like this is another topic topic but i feel like ma- public matchmaking in, in online games has still got a long way to go based on my recent experience in terms of finding players of a, of the same level and putting them together so they can have fun because it's no fun getting your ass kicked all the time and it, it can be i guess maybe it's fun but i still think it's less fun to just be you know whapping around a bunch of noobs all day and going, i'm just going to kill you all day i want to challenge i want to i want to i want to play players at my level there's nothing yeah. more fun than than finding someone that's roughly at your level and having like a really challenging you know hard fought evenly matched game mm. um and you can do that when you're playing with friends online and you know who you're playing with but in the world of random public matchmaking i feel like a lot of players were, were often still getting mismatched yeah i think it's a tricky balance for people to strike because the games that are most popular and the games that people want to play in multiplayer are the ones where you know uh, streamers come to it and professionals come to it and that's when the skill-based matchmaking stuff starts to become a hot button issue for some reason but it is what it is and i do agree that i think i hope that we we get to a place where skill-based matchmaking is a little more prevalent and is a little bit better but moving on so this was originally going to be a story but i've reduced it to a psa because i want to throw in a a kind of uh an x-factor story into the mix so PSA story, online services for Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain on Xbox 360 and PS3 and Ground Zeroes on Xbox 360, PS3, Xbox One and PS4 are going to be terminated on May 31st, 2022. If you are still playing those games, uh, that is when it's all shutting down. So get ready. The thing I'm going to throw in here is while we've actually been talking, the Dead Space uh, stream has been happening. And uh, out of that, we've had some new details coming about the game. So I'm just grabbing directly from Nibel on Twitter, Nibelian, um, who you can follow along with, um, and reading a few of the details that he's uh, they've been tweeting out. Um, body damage is completely new. So they've re- overhauled the body damage stuff, and now you can remove flesh from the bone of your enemies. And that also serves, serves as a health indicator. Um, the way each uh, weapon reacts to enemies has also... You know what they should call that? You know, they should call that flay tracing. Oh, yes. You like that? Yes, Gary. Yes. I, if anyone knows anything about me, I love a good pun. And that was a good pun, Gary. I like it. I I'm like bringing, it. I'll bring all the dad jokes <laughs> all day it, long. Bring it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of dad jokes. <laughs> uh, some of the weapons in Dead Space are better at removing flesh or, um, as we now call it, flay tracing. They're good at flay tracing. Uh, better than, and some are better than at dismembering body parts and so on. Um, each has a completely new damage model as well, and every part reacts to damage. Um, the zero G mechanic, which is what those games are pretty much known or known for most, I think they're the most atmospheric parts of it, have been overhauled and allows for 360 degree freedom and thrusters, like in Dead Space 2. Um, and they also added new paths and environments with new challenges. You can go to um, and. Uh, uh, there's no microtransactions there but you can go and check out that uh the archive of that wherever you watch your videos but gary how you feeling about dead space remake uh you excited for it uh you know i'm excited for other people who are into dead space i never really was um i'm not i I don't really play horror games i've Mm. said it before fatal frame 2 on the playstation 2 that was the last one i played noped out of it never went back to that genre so it's not my cup of tea because horror games they're just too intense for me i can't deal with them um, but I know it's a very well-liked genre, and for people who uh, are excited for it to come back, I'm happy for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember playing this one the first time on my Xbox 360, and it was one of those ones where one of the, I, I love the horror genre, and especially horror games. And it was one of those games, a rare game, where I just couldn't, I simply could not stop playing. And people say, oh, it's one of those games you can't stop playing, and, I, and it can mean a variety of things. I literally could not tear myself away from the screen. I was so immersed in it and i was like such a good game so i'm so excited to see it come back that second one was excellent too um and then they really really dropped the ball with that franchise with that third one it was a wacky wacky game but i'm glad to see it back and i hope that it um it kind of leads to a renaissance in that franchise there's not a lot of survival horror games on the triple a um kind of uh level outside of resident evil um and i don't know if there's is there a did you genre... play alien isolation did you like I, that one i did play alien isolation i liked it but i also was frustrated by it a lot there's something weird that came happened to me where it's like the ai for the xenomorph was so good that I, my expectation became it needs to be perfect so when it faltered i felt a ways about it 
I had a situation where I kept it was bugging in a way that the xenomorph would enter a room and then just not leave the room and would just like stand around and I was like trapped in a in a locker or something like that. Huh. And that happened to me a few too many times. And in a normal game, I think I would be fine with just reloading it. But on a game that's predicated on this is the most advanced AI we've given this xenomorph ever, it really like soured me to it. So I played it and really enjoyed how how like how much effort they put into it and how much kind of like they clearly love that franchise and the iconography of it and and kind of like the language of that franchise and they put so much effort into it but the actual playing experience of it was not great for me okay yeah but i i really want to see more of these these kind of like survival horror games come come back they're few and far, far in between on this scale um and obviously like who knows why like resident evil seems to be the only one that's really doing it um we almost had a silent hill but we all know how that went uh is there is there any other genre that you think uh, is in dire need of a revival it's a very broad question, but um, I mean, I don't. I, I, I mean, I feel like horror games are actually very well served. Horror gamers, I think, are very well served these days, especially over on PC, yeah. when there are so many options in the in the horror survival space, um, like just all out, you know, horror. Um, and then you look at kind of the dark picture stuff that's happening right now, and evil with it. I, I, this, I don't, horror, horror to me right now does not seem like an underserved genre and it, you know it's hard for me to say because I, I i don't play them mm. i'm an outsider looking in so a horror that someone who's into horror games like you could probably speak more authoritatively about like how yeah. satisfied you know you currently are with games in the horror space but when i, I when i just go like look you know on what's on the shelves and see what's out there or what's coming out it, it, it doesn't seem like the horror genre is being neglected by game makers at the moment yeah. there's there's an interesting distinction to be made like the horror genre is definitely being served really well but uh they're not the interesting things aren't usually happening in the AAA space. They're happening in the indie space. If you're if you're into the indie horror games, you're getting some of the coolest ideas um, around, or have been in many many years. Like Red Candle Games, they did Detention, um, right? And and I forgot the name of Devotion. Those those two games are absolutely superb. Devotion kit it was released. I think it was this year after being pulled after some political controversy around China, and that is a standout game for me. But this is I this guess, is why I say on PC in particular that when I go on Steam, there's so much horror. Yeah, yeah. There's so there's a lot of horror. The problem with the stuff on Steam is like there's a lot of horror. The indie games do stuff really interesting, well, but it's also buried in a lot of like really shitty, janky horror that is like the remnants of the Five Nights at Freddy's era of like let's just pump out some scary looking stuff. Um, what and, do you think is this? What do you think is the all out scariest horror game? Ah, oh, I don't know. There's something I think for me what scared me the most is kind of like a moment in time so i remember playing silent hill on a playstation one back in the day and the reason it was scary was also the reason it was partly propelled by its technical limitations like the fog the the music the kind of the grunginess to the aesthetics that were just a product of it being on a not very powerful machine the playstation it was powerful at the time yeah i like, remember feeling that same way about remember manhunt yeah, had exactly. that really gritty, grimy kind of shitty look to it. It was deliberate, but 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 the but the shitty nature of those kind of you know PlayStation One, PlayStation Two graphics. I think yeah. you're right. Like it actually kind of helped. That lo-fi look actually was a bonus for some horror games of that yeah, era. Exactly. And now now these days it's more about the atmosphere as opposed to like I feel I feel tense more than I feel horrified or scared. Those I feel like the last time I felt scared was like Silent Hill, PS2, you know, uh, PS1 era, that kind of stuff. So it's that's did you ever get to a point where like you were playing a horror game like late at night or whatever, all by yourself, and you're like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta stop because it's it, it's too scary. Like, have you ever like noped out of a of a horror I've, game? I've I've never noped out of a horror game. I don't think I, I've ever noped out of a horror game. I remember the closest I came, and it wasn't really noping. It was it wasn't because I was scared. It was because I felt overwhelmed um it was uh crap what's the follow-up to the penumbra games um ah, it's gonna frustrate me now it's it's a well-known pc pc uh horror game it's the one where there's an enemy and uh it's invisible and you are amnesia that's the one amnesia. yeah amnesia. oh god yeah i've yeah. never played it but i've watched a lot of the twitch stream clips of it where people are just like yeah losing their shit so th there's an area where it's like partially flooded 
and the enemy oh, God. is invisible. No. Damn, and I can't. The, I can't. Yeah, and, I have and, the worst flashbacks <laughs> right now with like my friends and I playing that, like taking turns on that section yeah. on PC. Holy and shit! It takes it takes a little while. To, it takes just long enough for you to realize what happened, what yeah. is happening, for it to scare the shit out of you. And like, what is happening is by stepping in the water. The, uh, the movement that you're putting into the water, the waves you're creating, is alerting this invisible enemy to where you are. Otherwise, God. it can't tell where you are. And then all you see is the heavy footsteps of this unseen monster displacing water as it comes towards you. And you've just walked through this door and you're like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And that's where I like hit escape. And I was like, well, I don't know what's going on. And I was like freaking out. So I like, it took me a second to like regroup and then get back into like, this is just a game. You know how to figure this out. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a bookcase on the floor in the water. Just jump on top of it. But it was. It can was you, there. um, can you do VR horror? Because I know that's a red line for a lot of people. It certainly is for me. I, c I can do VR horror. Um, and I don't, I don't know many games that I, I just got an Oculus, uh, Quest two the the latest one of the non-wired mm -hmm. one so i've been meaning to dig into that, and I do want to play them. I did play Resident Evil, um, in VR, and it was good it Fuck wasn't me. you're a braver scary. man than me i i can't do it the resident evil was okay the kitchen demo that they that they uh previewed uh resident evil with was considerably scarier because it used so, it in a really interesting way i'll tell you a story about that years ago uh at, at san diego comic-con i got invited it was we it was me and major nelson really I weirdly i don't know why it was the two of us but mm. we got invited to um uh play test psvr before it was was public it was like a behind the scenes demo and they took us back there and they showed us a bunch of stuff that was fun. There was like an asymmetrical game. Where it was like one person versus like four others that was really fun. I don't remember what that was. We did like the London heist getaway right, yeah. thing, if you remember that. Um, and then the last one, they said, okay, for this last one, we're not going to tell you anything about it. Like in previously, they said this one's like a heist game. This one's just like fun puzzle game. They said this last one, we're not going to tell you anything about it. Uh, and I said, well, tell me, you got to give me something. I said, no, no, it's better if you if you don't. <laughs> know what it's going to be and i'm like you know i can i can kind of go know where this is going and i know what my own limitations are and I, and, and the, all they said was it's called the kitchen and i was like okay I, I i need to know what it is because vr like i have a, i can have a re I, i'm one of those people that can have a really visceral reaction to vr yeah. um when it's really effective um and, and horror in particular um it, it you know it's it can be too much so and, they, and i said just tell me something and they and they said, "Have you ever seen any Japanese horror?" And I just fucking walked out. Like, I just <laughs> left. That was the last. That was the last thing that the guy said to me, and I just left. But yeah, no, fuck that. That's not. For yeah, me. that that one is scary because you're just. It's like a very sore situation. You're just tied to a chair, and you're in the kitchen, and you look. You can look around, and over over time, like it takes a little while. It's a slow burn, but you see a figure start moving around in the background, like a distance. It's like, it's like creating. Yeah. Shadows, see, I don't even you... like hearing this from you right yeah. now. Even this I'm... alone is too well, like, scary. The, the worst part of it was like the figure kind of maneuvers around you and then comes up from behind. So the first real indication that you have it's there is when you start to see its hands, like its fingers enter your. No, no, no. And, and, and it's going to, and it's going to have all the stereoscopic surround sound, yep, right? So you exactly know when something's it. behind you so, and all that shit. I remember, nope. I remember nope. uh, getting a preview of that in, at Capcom's headquarters and they had to assign people a safe word to shout when, oh, when, yeah. when it got too much. And I remember being outside and just hearing the safe word being yeah. shouted constantly. Yeah. Yeah, it's my wild. safe word was fuck off right before I left. <laughs> yeah. Piss off. No. <laughs> All right. So uh, we were going to have one one more story, but I think I'm going to skip it. It's not a particularly big one um, because we are we are running a bit behind. But before we do that, um, I just want to remind folks that uh, you can uh, watch uh, subscribe to Patreon. Make sure you're heading over to Patreon and getting a subscription. That way you guarantee yourself an ad-free broadcast of Kind of Funny Games Daily. If you did not subscribe, and you aren't coughing up the cash for the good content, you're about to get an ad right in your face. Please enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Purple. I know it may seem like it, but the world isn't really against us from getting a good night's sleep. Luckily, you'll have no difficulties drifting off to sleep on a Purple mattress. That's because only Purple mattresses use their fancy grid technology. It's a unique ventilated design that lets air flow through to keep you cool. I can tell you this as a fact. I have the Purple pillow, and I will never use another pillow in my life. I love it so much. It never gets too hot. It's always cold. You don't need to flip it to the other side because it's just 
cold already. I don't know how it works. It's the grid. It's cool. The grid is also supported for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. Unlike memory foam, which remembers everything, the grid bounces back as you move and shift. Purple is comfort reinvented. Right now, you'll get 10% off any order of 200 or more. Go to purple.com slash games10 and use promo code games10. That's purple.com slash games10, promo code games10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash games10, promo code games10. Terms apply. So the final story was going to be about Halo Infinite, but Halo Infinite's a ways away. We don't have to worry about. But if I wanted to know what's coming soon to Mama Grub Shops today, where would I look, Gary? I'm sure, by the way, that we'll get all to the Halo, get to all the Halo Infinite news on the Xcast. It's X-Cast, Friday yep. with me, Snowbike Mike, and I think Paris is back. Um, the official list of upcoming software on each and every platform, as listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday. Hell to the year. So we have. Lamentum, which is coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. We've got Prinny Presents, NIS Classics, Volume 1, Switch on PC, Kiwi, uh, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, S, all of that business. The Song of Iron, which sounds like a, a shelved Game of Thrones uh, spinoff. Uh, Xbox Series X, S, uh, Xbox One, PC. Rustler which is, is either a brand or like an off brand of like hamburger or a, a softcore porn mag. Um, we'll figure that one out. PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, Switch PC. Guts and Goals, uh, not Goals and Goals, sadly, but that is on everything. Monster Harvest, uh, PS4, Xbox One, Switch PC. The Big Con, you can read a review for that at GameSpot.com right now. Seems all right. Um, that's coming to Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One PC. Slid the Snail, which sounds like one of Gary's uh, old British uh, comics, honestly. We, oh, we yeah. had a debate of if it's Slid or Clid on uh, PSI. Clid. I don't want to say, I don't want to say Clid. <laughs> I mean, I've said Clid now, but uh, PS5, PS4, PC, Beyond Mankind, The Awakening, which I'm sure, I don't know if that game is good, but you've given it the most generic name title there. Apologies to developers if you're watching. Um, I, feel like you do a, I, think, I feel like you could do a character called Clid the Tortoise. Just <laughs> if you really want to fly close to the sun. Yes, that is... Oh, Gary, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> fair play, fair play, fair play. Crash, auto drive. I feel like that is like a... The consequence of auto driving are in the title. You crash. Uh, switch. Uh, Vilset, PC. Soul Nomad and The World E is PC. Uh, those are what's uh, out today. Um, new dates. Uh, this is where ordinarily we talk about new release dates or changes in release dates, but there's nothing going on. So what I thought I'd do is real quickly, just give you an overview of September. Real quickly. Uh, is anyone else doing that on Kind of Funny Games Daily? No, this is innovative. September 1st, El Shaddai. September 2nd, Bravely Default. September 7th, Sonic Colors Ultimate. September 10th, Life is Strange. September 10th, also Tales of Arise. Also September 10th, Pact. WarioWare, get it together. The most, the most important game on September 10th. WarioWare, that's, that's Warrior the big Wear. one. We that all is know. the one. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring joy to our withered, sad little hearts. Um, September 14th, Deathloop. I have been playing that, I'm allowed to say. And what I will say is there's a preview up, and so far it's very good. Uh, September 16th, Skatebird. I only have two um, days to beat Deathloop, so oh, I can have Skatebird. time for Skatebird? I remember yeah. Skatebird from that kind of funny showcase feels like forever ago. I'm glad it's finally yeah, coming it's, out. It looks really fun. Uh, September 21st, Kena, Bridge of Spirits. September 22nd, Test Drive Unlimited is back. But you forgot about Test really? Drive Unlimited. Test Drive is yeah. still going? There's a new one coming I remember, out. I, um, I remember I bought and played the original Test Drive back yeah. in the day. Awesome. It was, it was- it was really, really weird. They tried something and they didn't nail it. <laughs> uh, September 23rd, Diablo 2 Resurrected, if you're into that Diablo business. Uh, September mm-hmm. 23rd also, Sable. Death Stranding Director's Cut, September 24th. Lost Judgment, September 24th. And then New World, September 28th. Outer, World, Outer Wilds DLC coming September 28th. I finished that game yesterday and I cannot wait. Um, Hot Wheels Unleashed finally on September oh, 30th. What a way to end the month. Hot I, Wheels I, Unleashed, I, let's go. I knew you were going to be hyped for that. That's why I put it in Tim, there. Tim, have you seen you. the trailer for that? Tim and Witta, have you seen the trailer for this game? Because it's it, it looks is, insane. It is surprisingly. What game is this? 
Hot Wheels Unleashed. So we got approached to do like a, an exclusive reveal of it on GameSpot. And I was like, Hot Wheels. Look. And then I watched the video and I was like, Hot Wheels. All right, let's go. Hold on, let me let me, let me me pull it up real quick. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up on here. my end too. Hold while, on, while, you're, while you're pulling it up, I'll just do the deals of the day real quick. I just got one in there. It comes obviously from Wario64, who's uh, just giving everyone a heads up that Xbox games with gold titles are up. And among them, you've got Warhammer Chaos Pain, which I've heard is quite fun. More importantly, Zone of the Enders HD Collection. This is, of course, coming from Konami, the Kojima team. A lot of Metal Gear is basically designed by Yoji Shinkawa. So if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. And we Okay, so I'm screen. looking at the Hot Wheels Unleashed trailer right now. I've got two thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. One is, absolutely, I feel this has the potential to be a ton of fun, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like it could be really, really fun. Um, and also, they have nailed the look of the die-cast metal on the cars. Yes. You know, that, that particular kind of reflective metallic sheen that they have? These really do look like the little toy Hot Wheels cars. They did a great job with that. Yeah, I'm excited to play this. I think this is going to be like a sleeper hit for a lot of people. Uh, absolutely. When is this coming out? Uh, the 30th. coming out on 30th of September. Yep. Oh, shit. So, that's only a month away. I'm excited about away. that. I'll play it. My, my kid will probably like that as well. Play it with your, my kids. Get your pre-orders in. Get it all in. Right. That's and I guess that's is is that on all platforms? I'm guessing. I believe so. Yeah, I think they're gonna. And hot... I'm gonna be annoying. I'm gonna do the thing that I do. Do we know if it's crossplay? Because I'm Mr. Crossplay. You know what? Let me find. Let me Google it right now for you. Hot Wheels Unleashed. Because we are at a point now. If a game is not crossplay, you better have a good fact. fucking reason why not. It's it's unknown. It's unknown. 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 We don't fucking know. Hell. There's still time. Everyone go to Twitter. There's still time. The uh, the Hot Wheels account and tell him crossplay it up. Crossplay it up. Right now it's time for the reader mail. You can write into patreon.com forward slash kind of funny where you can get your questions read on the show, just like Takibi, who uh, says after reading the comments from the ne- from the Neil, <laughs> from Neil and Evan from Naughty Dog, I have to say I was extremely disappointed, particularly their views on crunch and unionization. To me, their comments sounded very Activision Blizzard, corporate, without feeling and not really engaging with the question. This was surprising considering that Insomniac famously did not crunch at all for uh, Ratchet and Clank. My question is uh, this. As they are a part of the PlayStation Studios, do you think that they should take a top-down approach from PlayStation and adopt a more Insomniac approach and denounce crunch across the board? Or should different studios still have control over studio policies? What do you think about that, Gary? I think that all companies, um, you know, need to prioritize minimizing, mitigating crunch as much as, much as possible. The physical and mental well-being of, of the people that work at these companies should always be a top uh, priority. Um, it does sound like, you know, there are some companies that are doing better than others. Insomniac, again, famously, you know, all their employees will come again. Yep, no crunch. We just made a great game without crunch. They, whatever the magic formula is over there, they seem to have cracked it. Uh, Naughty Dog, you know, again, they make great games, but there's 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 always that little, uh, yeah, but at what cost, right? With some of this, and you know, these days we live we live in a very socially aware uh, time, rightly so, and so we don't just go, thank you very much for the game, um, you know, like yeah, you know, I, I don't care like what it co- it took to make it, you know. Just, I remember when um, when uh, my wife and I got engaged, we um, my my wife wanted to make sure that uh, her ring didn't have a conflict diamond in it. And, you know, it's obviously not, it's not necessarily of the same scale, but I think it's in the same conversation. You don't want a game, a video game that is like a, con- a conflict diamond. I feel like I'm overstating, but you know what I mean? Like you don't want to yeah. know that people suffered so that you could have a nice thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it, there's enough uh, examples of amazing games being made um, without crunch that it's kind of unacceptable now that a company that operates on such a scale as Sony is capable of doing is still like you know not enforcing the policy of no crunch on their on their teams you know because we, we all work in creative fields to one degree or another and the best work comes from people who feel comfortable relaxed and like they're empowered to do good work instead of worrying about xyz their own health um, it, it is wild that this continues to happen and it might be like speaking out of turn but at a certain point in a world where crunch is avoidable having a studio that does crunch and acting like it's just a matter of fact um is more example of uh mismanagement than anything to me like if you are if you are it's a a solvable problem you just need to have the the will to solve it yeah sometimes sometimes it involves spending more money which is the hardest thing to convince a lot of companies to do but it's the right thing to do. 
exactly. Um, so that's how we feel about it. Uh, kind of move on to you're wrong because I obviously have screwed up a bunch of things. Firstly, I've got kebabs <laughs> saying it's Snow Bicycle Michael. I don't like Snow Bicycle Michael. I, I know you all like it, but I like Snow Bicycle Michael. Um, because I like Snow Bicycle Bicycle. Yeah, I also use Snow Bicycle Bicycle sometimes, which is quite amusing to me. But um, I would I would <laughs> uh, like to pass the motion that we change it to Snow Bicycle Michael because um, it's more amusing and it's like a little more quaint. I like, uh, I like whatever the way you want to come I, at it. The, the, Sorry, Gary, go ahead. And I was going to say, like, I think they're all delightful. Everyone mm -hmm. can, I think everyone should come at it from their own direction. Yeah. There doesn't have to be like one officially uh, you know, approved one. I, 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 exactly. I just really like Baikal because I think that was uh, coined by Blessing. And he was so – the way yeah. he started that oh. and was so confident in thinking that Baikal was like a word. <laughs> it just, I was like, yeah, I, I, I like that. It's no Baikal Michael. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll add it as an alternative then. How about that? That I respect it. Thing. I respect it. Thank you. Um, we've got one from MFAM, my fam, who says, P.S. I, lo I love you has a new video up on YouTube talking about Far Cry 6. Thank you. Uh, Kebabs also says, you forgot to do the do 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 Yeah, jingle after the official Yeah, list. we That's just did a, it, Tam did a fuck yeah or whatever it was, and it was better. Yeah. Again, yeah, though, I not every that. host has to be like Greg, right? You're supposed to bring your own vibe exactly. to the show. Do your exactly. own thing. Come up with your own gimmick. Be original. And then we've got a couple saying the new test drive is supposed to release in September 22nd, 2022, not okay. 2021. That's my bad. Uh, All right. You know, I'm sad to say to everyone that we'll have to go another year without. Yeah, a can new we test last drive. another 12 months will, without a new test drive game? I don't think so. We'll find out. Tomorrow's hosts are Blessing and Andy. And then on Thursday, you've got Janet and Tim. And then Friday, you've got Blessing and Tim again. What a lineup. That's a hell of a lineup. That is strong. Um, if you're watching on live on Twitch.tv, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Mike and Barrett are going to be wrapping up their first ever playthrough of Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty right here on Twitch.tv for such kind of funny games. And then you'll be able to rewatch it on YouTube.com for such kind of funny plays. That's where you go and, you know, relive the amazing moments and chop it up with others in the comments because it's going to be a hell of a time. That ending is wild. Thank you, Gary, for uh, being there with me on my first ever attempt at hosting. Thank this. you for being an excellent host. I think you did a great job, personally. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. For now, we're going to head to the post show. Supporters at the Silver membership or above on Patreon.com for such kind of funny games can get this. And until next time, goodbye.